Grace, mercy, and the peace of God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ be and abide with you this day and forever. Amen. Today we continue our series that we are in called Intersection, which is where faith and life meet. The book of James is a very practical guide for how we apply faith in Jesus to our lives. We have a game at our house in our kind of cabinet of board games. I thought about bringing it, but it's still at home, uh, called Watch Your Mouth. Have you seen this one? I think it's fairly new, and it's, there's, I don't know. It's not the, it's not the most hygienic game, probably, so maybe this time, you know, of our lives is not the time to be playing this game, because you take this plastic thing, and you put it in your mouth, and it, it separates your cheeks and keeps your lips apart. And then you're supposed to try to say things. And other people are supposed to guess what you're saying. And there's a time limit. And so you take these cards, and it's like purple porcupine. But if you have to say that like this, and you can't close your mouth, it's hard to say purple porcupine. One of the reasons why that game is fun is because of the crazy things it sounds like people are saying, and so you try to watch the mouth of the person who's trying to speak in order to get a clue about what they might be saying, what they might be trying to say. Over the last year and a half with COVID mask recommendations and restrictions, one of the things that was allowable was for people with hearing impairment to have other people take their masks off so that they could watch the mouths. Those people who need the visual support. So they understand what people are saying because the hearing isn't sufficient or maybe doesn't, you know, doesn't work. And so seeing the lips moving is part of that understanding. We have to watch people's mouths. But as we look at this reading from James chapter 3 this morning, watch your mouth takes on a bit of a different meaning. Words may be You've heard before, watch your mouth. Our message today is about what we say and how we say it, and it's an important aspect of our lives. If you're a disciple in Jesus, you should watch your mouth. Just saying. Just saying. It was 10 years ago that Scott Simon wrote an opinion piece about that phrase, and he writes this. Saying, I'm just saying, puts a fire escape onto the end of a sentence. It lets you express a stern, possibly rude opinion, but not really, because you're just saying. Urban Dictionary, which defines kind of oncoming, like the, the language or the phrases that uh, are maybe slang terms that are becoming part of our language, um, says it this way, a term that's coined to be used at the end of something insulting or offensive to take the heat off of you when you say it. Because you're just saying. But words have meaning, don't they? So complete this phrase, sticks and stones. <laughs> I heard the correct uh, completion of it over here. Yeah, words always hurt. Well, not always, hopefully, but... Um, you know, the one that we learn as kids, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Really? Is that true? 
Anybody never been hurt by what somebody else said? None? Exactly. Words hurt. Words carry this meaning. Even if someone says, just say it, at the end of what they say, you know, if they point out some flaw, some struggle, some problem that you have, and end it with just saying, well, they still said it, didn't they? And you still heard it. So words have meaning, and we can be hurt by the words of others quite easily. We also, as James chapter 3, verse 5 says it, we boast of great things. How often do we speak honestly about ourselves and our actions? And how often do we boast? We want to put the best construction on who we are and what we've done, and so sometimes that might get a little bit exaggerated. Or possibly we put others down to make ourselves feel better. I was talking to my youngest this week. We had a conversation about a classmate whose tone and attitude, now that he's in middle school, is a bit different from what elementary school conversations sounded like and felt like. And I said, well, you've reached that age. When people are kind of figuring out themselves and trying to feel more mature, and one of the ways that is attempted is by putting other people down to make ourselves feel better. Words have meaning. And the truth gets bent and broken far too often. Billy Joel said this, honesty is such a lonely word. Everyone is so untrue. That almost sounds like it could come from Proverbs, doesn't it? It's a statement that we can agree with, that honesty, 100% honesty, is hard. Because sometimes, well, we want to make ourselves feel better or feel less inadequate or less like a failure, so we're not completely honest. Or maybe we're trying to protect someone else's feelings. Because we don't want to be completely honest and even tag that just saying on the end of it. Like that question, do these pants look good? That is a trap. <laughs> Maybe we're afraid of consequences. I remember t trying to hide the truth from my parents when I was growing up. Things that I'd done or things that I'd said or what I had been up to, who I'd hung out with later, what time I got home. Um, and a wide variety of things. Trying to cover it up, trying to hide it, and that's, well, nothing new in our human condition. Adam and Eve tried to hide and cover up the truth of what they had done. And we've continued that as people ever since. And I remember more recently than when I was growing up and with my mom and dad, but in more recent days, a similar activity, trying to hide or cover up or massage the truth so it's not 100% honest maybe, but I can kind of hide in it. James goes on to say in verses 9 and 10 that the same mouth utters blessing and curse. With it, with the tongue, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and curse cursing. I paid uh, closer attention to that this week. 
as I was thinking about this message, I was anticipating today, I was paying attention to what James says here and maybe my own attitude and action. And I'll tell you, when I'm driving alone, there are choice words on the tip of my tongue that I will not say from this spot right here. Why is that? It's because of our brokenness. I remember a couple of years ago, uh, we were eating dinner outside a restaurant. Um, it was, we were on the sidewalk where there were tables set up. This is pre-pandemic days. You know, that already was being done. Um, and the, we were sitting at one table, and a couple tables away, there was a large group of of people, and there was this one young woman who had a loud voice, and some of the terms that she inserted into her story she was telling were like middle school playground language, like mm, inappropriate, you can't put them on TV words, the words that you hear the, the beep over when they're interviewing someone who isn't thinking about, I'm, this is going to be on television or radio or whatever. And it was fairly constant. It was sprinkled into her sentences. And finally, in my mind, I wanted to say, you kiss your mom with that mouth? Just saying. I set my fork down and I looked over and I said, excuse me. And the guy next to her said, he wants you to stop swearing. And I thought, well, you already knew that. You could have elbowed her and just pointed. My kids are here with the same mouth. How is our language? Because the forest is burning. Along this coast, up and down from Canada to Mexico practically, in any given summer and this time of year, there will be forest fires. I looked on Cal Fire's website just yesterday, and I found these statistics, which were striking. Since the beginning of this year, there have been 7,341 wildfires, which have burned more than 2.2 million acres. And it said this, yesterday, firefighters also responded to 65 new wildfires. Now, there were some lightning strikes around the state. We didn't have any locally, thankfully. But there were some, and all 65 of those were already contained or extinguished. But the two that we've heard about a lot lately, the Dixie Fire, has now burned at least 959,000 acres. It's the second largest and 14th most destructive fire in the history that's been kept. And the Caldor Fire has now burned 218,000 acres, and there's statistics about how damaging it has been, etc., James says this in chapter 3, verse 5, how great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire because those two that we've heard about again and again, Dixie Fire has been burning for, what, two months, right? It didn't start out as a big fire, did it? It didn't start out as thousands of acres and you know, burning down structures. It started out just like those other 65 from who knows what, a transformer, a uh, 
cigarette tossed out the window carelessly, a camp fire that an ember blew away from, a lightning strike. There's all kinds of things that cause these wildfires. They all start fairly small. Something ignites or maybe smolders for a day or so, and then finally flames begin, and those flames find fuel, and the wind pushes, and the fire spreads out. James' point here is how great a fire can be set ablaze by something very small, as small as the tongue. How often do our words that seem innocent or simple or maybe when we're just saying, or it's just a small bending of the truth, how often does something become the big fire from something small that we thought was maybe innocent? The thoughtless joke, the careless words, the curse that no one else could even hear. So contrast just saying attitudes with just words. Our words might feel like just words sometimes, but just words has a different meaning because the word became flesh. John chapter 1, verse 14 says this, The word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. John chapter 1, this prologue to the gospel of John, describes Jesus as the word of God, made flesh. The word that's translated word there is logos in Greek, and the logos means more than just words on a page. It means account or reason or mind. So the mind of God, the word of God, that powerful word of God took on human flesh and made his dwelling among us. And that, when we think about our words, is how we should recognize Jesus. Because the creator who spoke everything into existence, took on our existence, took on flesh for us. The one who spoke and made things happen became man and spoke and made things happen. Jesus' words are powerful. So hear the word of life. In John chapter 6, Jesus describes some things. We're actually going to look at part of John chapter 6 in our Bible class today, but what Jesus says is kind of controversial and difficult to understand, and people are struggling with it. And then it even says that some of his disciples, not the 12, but some of the other disciples, people who were following Jesus in the kind of greater circle of disciples, struggled with that and turned away and couldn't follow him anymore. And so he turns to the 12, and he's like, well, what are you going to do? This is a paraphrase. (laughs) What are you going to do? And Peter says, in verse 68, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. That phrase has been used as an introduction to the reading of the gospel in liturgical settings um, for a long, long time. Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. This is the word of the Lord, we say sometimes after a reading. The word of the Lord that has meaning, that has power. It's the word of life that brings us forgiveness. In the confession of our sin at the beginning of the service, I get to announce the grace of God, but it's not the words of my mouth, it's the words of Jesus that you could hear. 
hear the word of Jesus, the word of grace, that your sins are forgiven through faith in Christ. Hear the word of Jesus who heals by a word, who spoke and stilled storms, and in our gospel reading today, who spoke and even an unclean spirit fled from him. The word of Jesus is powerful and effective, and it's the word of life that we need to receive. And from that faith and that word of life that we receive, we can be speaking of faith. Speaking of faith, we confess what we believe. In Romans chapter 10, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Before the baptism of the three children this morning, we shared in the creed. And that creed, that speaking of the faith, that confession of belief is part of our baptismal rite because this is the faith into which they're baptized. They're baptized into faith in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So we confess our faith and belief in the Lord. We confess our sin and Jesus forgives because words have meaning. There's a Latin theological phrase, um, lex orandi, lex credendi. And it means this, that the law of praying is the law of, that we believe. So how we pray, how we speak of our faith, how we re- react and respond to God, that's really what we believe. So if our prayers are shallow, maybe our faith is shallow, if our words that we use on a regular basis, are a mix of all kinds of things, then that's really what we believe in our hearts. How we speak, how we pray is how we believe. Our words have meaning too. But the Holy Spirit guides our speaking. He guides us in truth. He gives us words to speak and inspires our confession. And when he needs to, he convicts us so that we seek forgiveness and grace. He enables us to speak words of forgiveness and grace to others in our lives. Guided by the Holy Spirit, our language, our words are transformed. This is the ongoing process. James writes that no one can tame the tongue, and while that's probably true... I'm not going to disagree. But we, our speech can get better and our words can be used to glorify our God as we share stories of faith. Ephesians 4.25 says this, Having put away all falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor. We are members one of another. Share our stories of faith. Speak the truth with our neighbors. Speak of faith with those around us in our lives. And always be prepared, 1 Peter 3 says, to to give an answer for the hope that you have. In other words, be a witness with words to what Jesus means to you. Last week I said this, when all is said and done, let's make sure more is done than said. Instead of having just good intentions and talking about things we may do, we should do those things. So 
But when all is said and done, we need to say things too. We can do a lot of good things, but if we never share our motivation for those things, people might just see us as good people and not see the grace of God that we're trying to share through the actions that we take in his name. So we have to do both. We can do what needs to be done and say what needs to be said. That we can use it for the glory of God. That we can use our speech to say what needs to be said for the glory of our Lord and our Savior. Amen.